the bottom line, though, is if you're in business and you're worried about the financial future, we need to know exactly what's working for your business. Cut anything that isn't. This is not the time to continue running Facebook ads just because you have been and it's kind of bumping along, not really doing anything for you. This is where knowing your numbers and really understanding what does get you a return and focusing on that and only that. Podcast Junkies, episode 227. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Turan. If you are new to the show, this is the one where we seek out interesting voices in podcasting, get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind. We had just such a conversation last week with Jordan Paris, host of The Jordan Paris Show. This 22-year-old entrepreneur has been doing amazing things and having amazing conversations, and it's a testament to his passion and enthusiasm for podcasting. He's definitely someone to keep an eye on. This week, we have the pleasure of speaking with my friend and someone I call my CFO whisperer, Liz LaJoy, host of the Zen Money Monday podcast. Liz and I connected through a mastermind we were a part of last year, or maybe before that. <laughs> and uh, we had a couple conversations, and I quickly realized what her genius was, and that was helping me make sense of my financials. And she's been an incredibly, incredibly powerful partner for me in uh, wrangling my finances, my taxes. And I can't imagine where I would be in my business without her. So I'm really grateful to have met her. As a result, we started working together uh, on her show, Zen Money Monday. And it's a podcast that's been going strong since last year. And in this episode, we talk about the importance of relationship building as an entrepreneur and becoming a master in her craft. Liz has published two books, and she talks about the concept of Zen and the emotional baggage that comes with balancing business financials, which I think some of you listening will be able to relate to. She expounds on the content marketing and what inspired her to start the podcast and how she's evolved her approach to interviewing and what surprised her most about her guests. Naturally, we have a little chat about the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, and she discusses a bit of advice she'd like to give new or aspiring entrepreneurs. A truly, truly inspiring conversation, and I know you'll get a lot out of it. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite. Their third-generation line is now available, specifically of the Scarlett 2i2, my favorite preamp slash sound card. And as if the 2G versions weren't good enough, the Focusrite team now gets it even better. It boasts two of the best performing mic preamps the Scarlett range has ever seen, and there's an air button now which will give your mic a brighter and more open sound, so make sure you test that out. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite for more details and to see the entire line. Let's not forget that this episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. Fullcast.co is the website. If you need help with any aspect of your show from launch to production and marketing, we can help. Schedule a free chat at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15 about your existing or new show. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. So let's jump into this abundance mindset conversation, talking all things money with my friend Liz. So Liz LaJoy host of Zen Money Monday. Thank you for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thanks for having me. So I always share the origin story. So, or, or you can share it, actually. If it, you probably tell a better story than I do. <laughs> I don't know about that. If you, if you remember how we first met. We first met at an event in San Diego, I think. I'm not sure we actually, did we meet face to face? It may <laughs> have know. been afterward and there was an exchange of like, hey, we're in the same group together through the Archangel community. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing led to another and we got on a call. <laughs> and at the end of that call, we were working together. <laughs> 
So can you, uh, for people that have been listening to the podcast, they may just be podcast guesters themselves or podcast listeners may not even have a podcast. So sometimes we throw around this term like mastermind and I know a lot of people roll their eyes at, at the idea of it. So can you explain like how you ended up in that group and, and why you thought joining something like that was important at the time you made the decision? That's a great question. I ended up in that particular group because I had gone to a couple of the Archangel events in Toronto in previous years, and I had quite a few people who were connected with that community. And it was at a time in my business where I was coming out of being and participating with a different group around the books that I had been writing. And it was kind of like, a, you know, we go into this sort of desert mode of, okay, can I do all of this in my own head by myself at home from my office? <laughs> Or not. And I think like you, I often need to get my most, you know, kind of juice from being in rooms with people, both from a business building standpoint and from a just being personally connected and engaged, you know, around what I'm doing and new ideas and things like that. And so the timing was just right. And a friend of mine was involved in it and said, come to San Diego, it'll be great. And so I kind of looked at my budget and said, well, you know, I don't really have anything else. This maybe seems like a good fit. And so there we went. Why do you think something like that is important when it comes to skills building or, or network building or relationship building as entrepreneurs? I think it's important on all those levels, you know, and at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of COVID. So the idea of sitting in a room with 200 other people is maybe anathema right now, but <laughs> I just really enjoy it because I think the human connection is so important, especially for those of us that work in the online space where you're not going into an office every day and having those person-to-person -person conversations and brainstorming sessions and things like that. And, you know, there's a lot that can be done virtually or rather online because virtually means it's not real, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> in the online space, but there's something about being in a room with people and there's something about, you know, from an education standpoint, from a new learning standpoint, you might be really, really well-versed in how to run your business and things might be going well, whether you've been doing it for three years or 10 years or whatever it is. But I just think that, you know, you can hear the same thing from different people in different ways. And sometimes things just suddenly click. And so putting ourselves in front of new information or the same information put together in a different way is important. But I also just think, you know, for anybody who's service-based and, and as you know, I work with everybody who's primarily service-based people who sell their brains for a living and, you know, referrals are the name of the game. You know, mm -hmm. we can spend yeah. a lot of time on social media and putting very pretty Instagram pages together and doing all kinds of stuff there. But when the rubber hits the road in terms of actual numbers and dollars coming in your business, it's most often from a, hey, have you met my friend Joe? He's doing something that you say that you need. Yeah. And that carries a lot of weight, especially in this world of like numbers and and it's a subject that a lot of entrepreneurs get angst about. <laughs> and I know I kind of myself in that category. So I'm curious how you, if you could rewind the clock a little bit uh, and tell us your backstory. I like to refer to you as the, uh, I think I've called you the CFO whisperer or something <laughs> like that. And and we'll talk a little bit about how you've been helpful for me and relieving some of that pressure in my business. But talk a bit about how you ended up here. Yeah, well, like many people, you know, my 
employment history is long and varied, but the common thread has been in small business management in general, whether that's operations management for a small medical manufacturing company. Before I moved into the online space, I had the opportunity to serve as business manager and CFO and partner in a local engineering firm. So again, people who sell their brains for a living, you know, and over 20 some years, I've accrued a lot of business knowledge kind of unintentionally. And so I moved into the online space about four years ago with the idea that, you know, there are a lot of people who just need a little bit of help around financial management, whether that's bookkeeping or help coordinating tax work, but more importantly, being able to really understand their numbers and make strong strategic management decisions, because I think a lot of us as business owners think, well, you know, the reporting's done, which is important, you know, but that kind of day-to-day stuff is done, so I'm good. But then they kind of fly by the seat of their pants and don't necessarily look at their numbers and use them in a strategic way. And I think, that is really the key between, you know, success versus being the, you know, one in five businesses that close in the first three years or whatever that number is these days. Were you always a, a fan of, of numbers and spreadsheets, even in school? <laughs> no, no. I was a Latin American studies major in my for my bachelor's. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, over the years, I did get my MBA and things like that. <laughs> I think I'm very, I sit on the cusp from all the personality, you know, tests and things like that. I sit on the cusp from being very, I can do left brain and right brain both. So, you know, the, the numbers thing, I don't really, I didn't consider myself a numbers person, but I'm good at math and I understand, you know, that world. And the reality is basic, you know, business finance is fifth grade you know, addition and subtraction. This is not rocket science. It's just, it turns out to be an area that a lot of us would rather not play in because it's way more fun to look at marketing initiatives and how are we talking to clients? And, you know, we want to earn the money, but we don't necessarily want to, you know, have a relationship with it once it comes in the door. And so we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. And over the years, it's become clear that I, and you can attest to this or not, maybe you have a different view, but I think I do a fairly good job of translating that finance language that many of us just find kind of cold or boring or don't feel good about. As you started to get your first clients, what were some of the commonalities that you saw when you started working with either new entrepreneurs or people that had maybe been, been doing this for a while? I was surprised, you know, because I come from a very traditional business background, which is you just, you do the things that you need to do to you know, dot the I's and cross the T's. And I, you know, as I had said, I'd spent about a decade working with engineers who are very numbers happy. And so there was a lot of analysis and a lot of, you know, looking at things. And so I was surprised by how many people really shy away from the conversation. We want the money, but we really have some, you know, concerns about managing it well, or we don't know how to, or we weren't taught well. And so I didn't realize how much of a an issue it was that in like at a very visceral <laughs> pit of your stomach kind of way for many people. And moving into the online space, which has such a zero barrier for entry, you know, there are a lot of people doing really good work, but they don't have traditional business training. You know, they're not necessarily having gone through any coursework around that. You know, and there's plenty of free information on the internet. You mean a YouTube like video doesn't cut it? A YouTube video totally <laughs> can cut it, but I think people like tap out halfway through when they don't necessarily learn how to fully implement and kind of become fluent you know, around that stuff. And the thing is, you don't have to be crazy around this stuff, but I do think it's important to have a sense of how the money is flowing. And, you know, are we making more money than not, you know, more months of the year than not? That's kind of the basic math, but many of us don't necessarily even know that. And so it's hard to know how to pivot and adjust. And if we know a few factors, a few key, you know, indicators in terms of, hey, what 
kind of money is coming in regularly? What are my targets? But also, how much am I spending? And, you know, I'm spending within my business, but then I'm also taking money out to to be able to live myself. And oftentimes, that's more money than's actually coming in month over month. And that can be hard in the beginning. And it's hard to get out of, you know, after a while. So I just think that there's there's an opportunity for all of us to get a little more cozy with our numbers in a positive way that ultimately lets people feel much more at peace, confident, comfortable with the money situation in their lives, in their business, and without outside of their business. Were you surprised at how much of an emotional connection people had with this topic and how it affected them on a gut level? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I... I'm asking you know, for a friend. Yeah, asking for a friend. Well, a friend told me. No, I it, I was surprised at how in in this process of working people with people specifically around their money because, you know, the work that we do, we just use the finances as a as a lens to look at the full health of the business. So, while it's money management, it's sort of money management plus, right? But I was surprised at how much I carry, you know, in, in working through this stuff with clients and and taking on that more kind of coaching hat, which, you know, I wear in addition to some other, like, let's just get the stuff done for you hat. Yeah. Just realizing how much of my own baggage is there too. We all carry it. It all looks different, yeah. but feels the same because a lot of it comes from just not having great education when we were young. Maybe there's some, you know, family stories around not having enough or maybe there's having a lot, but it's, you know, not as meaningful. There's all kinds of different versions of that, but we bring all of those things that we've been kind of hanging around with to our businesses and then they get magnified because, you know, wow, the rubber's really hitting the road here. I, either I need to make money and there's a lot of stress around that and whether we figured out that kind of top of the funnel flow in terms of the dollars coming in your door or I'm making a ton of money, but I can't stop overspending because this is sort of habituation that many of us have, have come to, especially in North America where there's lots of credit, <laughs> cheap and easy credit that lasts forever. You know, those kinds of things follow us and can cause problems down the road that we may not be aware of right now. And so I'm a big fan of just, you know, understanding how our decisions are going to affect today and tomorrow and the day after that and really be able to put some plans together for ourselves that allow us to change because we all have new ideas and we all have different directions and want to take our businesses in, in new and exciting places. But um, I just want to make sure that you have a great underlying financial plan that's going to put the dollars in your pocket that you want and still build a great business that you can potentially sell in the future, that you understand what it takes to build something that's saleable, or at least, you know, to pay you really well for all the hard work you're doing. So for the benefit of the listener, you have two drawings or, or uh, I guess, uh, illustrations in the back, which are your two books. Yeah, my book covers. Written. So it's From Zero to Zen and the Zen Money Map. So I think part of the attraction in deciding who to work together for this type of stuff, because as you as you mentioned, this is an incredibly sensitive topic. It carries a lot of baggage. And there's a lot of shame, to be quite honest, sometimes when you think about where you're at and the type of help that you need. And so that was the case in my business. And so I think the fact that you had Zen <laughs> in those book titles was helpful for me. I'm a very spiritual, spiritual person as regular listeners will attest to. So when did that aspect make its way in, into what you, what you were doing and what you were teaching? You know, it's really funny because I it wasn't intentional. I think it was intuitive. It came because 
it was language that just came to me as I was writing my first book. And, you know, you write your book and then you come up with the title after the fact, usually. And <laughs> so it was percolating there because it just, I had this gut feeling that, you know, there had to be a way to translate what needs to happen in your business, what you need to pay attention to, what you don't have to worry about, depending on what stage you're in, you know, all of those sort of traditional ticky tacky kind of, you know, things that there's got to be a way to translate that in a way that feels good, doesn't feel too academic or too sort of cold in a way that would resonate with people so that they would actually take action versus, oh yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that thing, but uh, it's not interesting and I don't care. And the Zen at that point, because, you know, we're all on our own (laughs) spiritual journey one way or another. And I was just beginning to kind of explore some things for myself personally. And it all kind of just came together at the same time in terms of, you know, realizing that, we could use this language around peace of mind, balance, you know, all of those things kind of come with a feeling around Zen money. And and that was always my goal to leave, you know, the client or whoever we're working with feeling way more confident, just at ease and not having to worry about the money situation because it's well taken care of. They know where they stand. They know what the boundaries or the guardrails are in terms of a plan. I know what I can spend on. I know what I can't. You know, you know, I know that maybe I want something, but I'm going to wait until next year because it's part of next year's plan or whatever. That all comes with a great deal of I keep coming back to the word peace, I think. And so I just knew that it was something that was possible and it seemed like it would alleviate a lot of this anxiety that I knew many people were feeling and it kind of evolved from there. Yeah, it seems to counterbalance the anxiety because if you think about anxiety, the first thing you're looking for is peace of mind. (laughs) You're looking for Zen, you're looking for something to calm you because depending on how extreme your situation is, you feel like maybe there's like no help and, and I think someone that could, provide that calm and i think in the experiences we've had working together is just the way you look at people's finances or even where they are and just looking at it from a black and white perspective like objectively no judgments on on where people are because i think by this point you've probably seen like a whole range of situations (laughs) in terms of people's finances and and their state of finances yeah and the funny thing is we all think we're the worst like every single person I talk to comes up and kind of behind the back of the hand is like, oh my God, you would not believe, I am the worst with whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything financial. And my response to that is always, well, you can't be the worst because we're either we all are or none of us are. <laughs> like, and, you know, the thing about accounting, we can get in really deep in terms of debt and things that feel really bad for sure. But from my perspective, there's always a way to get out of that. It may require a lot of, you know, tightening our belts and being very, you know, very, very frugal, for example. But there's always possibility there. I've had plenty of people who are like, oh, my God, I want to use something like QuickBooks. I know I should have an actual accounting system, but I or I'm paying for it, but I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. And so, like, there's all this fear around even the actual recording of things. Yeah. And I just, the reality is there's nothing that we can't fix, right? Like you make a, you make an error, we, it, there might be some adjustments that have to be made, but you know, the, the bookkeeping and the accounting, you know, one seem hard because none of us are born understanding double entry bookkeeping, let's be honest, but mostly, you know, it can all get fixed. There's not a whole lot that 
that you can't undo if you take some time to unravel it. So I think the biggest question, you know, for anybody listening who's considering, you know, as an entrepreneur or a small business owner around this topic is how much do you want to be doing yourself? How much, you know, of the ticky tacky day to day stuff do you want to really become an expert in? And how much do you want to just make sure that it's done well, done right, and that you're working with people who are going to help you do that? And there's all kinds of versions out there. And just like there's all kinds of ways to build a successful business, we just have to find the right one for you. And it turns out that, you know, none of us are the same. So some people really enjoy doing that work. And some people are like, I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot ball. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the the podcast. And you had talk about what you were doing from a content marketing perspective, uh, up until that point. And then what were some of the early thoughts you had? And even if you were listening to podcasts at the time, but when they they came on your radar? I wasn't a huge, I listened to podcasts back in the day when I still had a, like a regular job before I was working for myself. Like I'd take a walk at lunch and listen to podcasts and, you know, cooking shows and all kinds of things. And then, you know, I was busy doing other things. And so it didn't spend a whole lot of time between kids and work and whatnot. But before we started the podcast, I was doing, I had two books published and I was, you know, doing a range of newsletter type stuff and posts and things like that. And there's a great, lot of great content in books. You know, once you put them out there, there's there's all kinds of fun things you can do with that. But what I really enjoyed doing was being able to have conversations with people like you, you know, and really learning about what's going because I'm just a business nerd this way. And I just really like hearing stories and things like that. And so I had started doing you know a regular weekly Facebook Live where I was interviewing people because one, you know, hearing me talk about financial management <laughs> and money mindset and bookkeeping and accounting and all those sorts of things, I think is maybe not as exciting as a, you know, face-to-face interview where we can dive into what's working for you, what's not, you have some wisdom that you want to share. So it just seemed like it was the obvious next step to move that to the podcast arena. And so it had sort of been on my radar and then we had our meet and greet call and I was like, oh, that's what the next thing to do is do a <laughs> podcast. Great. <laughs> worked out well. So as you started to put together the list of people you were looking to interview, were they people that you had worked with in the past or people that you have had a conversation with or that you were looking to work with? Can you talk a little bit about how you were thinking about um, those first few interviews? Yeah, I, I was primarily looking to fill the first few with, I just wanted it to be really useful content for any potential listeners. And I have the joy of knowing lots of people who do really great things in terms of helping other businesses grow on the back end, people who are doing really interesting things. And so I think, you know, you and I had talked about just putting a roster together of, you know, things that were going to help support the message of the show, which was let's build, let's make sure that your insides of your business are as clean and exciting as the outsides of your business, you know, and, and what does it really take to make sure that you're managing the back end of things just as well as you're, you know, trying to bring money in. And so we were just looking to put people together who would, you know, bring some facet of that to an interesting conversation. And so it was a mix of, you know, clients and contacts. And, you know, we had a couple of stretch goals in terms of, eh, we don't really have a contact, but it'd be really fun to have these people on, you know, people who are generally busier. I had my publisher come on. That was fun. Stuff like that. So it was it was a range of, you know, kind of back end and also people who have been successful and being able to hear their stories and talk a little bit about, you know, their trials and tribulations from a business building standpoint, because I think we all have, you know, the story that we tell, (laughs) 
whether that's the origination story or the how I got to seven figure story or whatever. Yeah. But I really wanted to drill down into the behind the scenes stuff around like what was really wrangling you up? What was the hardest time you had? Where do you think it's, you know, a lot of people feel that that say three to $500,000 in revenue range is actually really hard because you've gotten some momentum, but then you're spending more than maybe you want to and the profit isn't there, you know? So there's conversations about scaling and, you know, HR management and ops decisions and stuff like that. And that's where I have a good time. So I figured that would be a fun thing to talk about. How did you think about the questions you would ask and what are those early conversations feel like? I just like to ask people questions. So I think that it happened pretty organically. You know, we have a set of, when I interview, we do, it's like four questions for the half hour, 45 minutes, however long it takes interview. And it's just, you know, a little bit about them so that the listener understands, you know, kind of the framework of them and their business and what's, you know, what we're going to be talking about, you know, what, what was, was one of the hardest parts, you know, about getting them to where they are now from an actual decision-making business building standpoint, yeah. you know, a takeaway for the listeners and what Zen money means to them. And in, in, a, in through all about that is, you know, the conversation just wends its way. <laughs> How have you changed, if any, from those early interviews to, I know you've, you've picked the series back up again. So has, has anything changed in, in the way you approach the interviews? Yeah, a little bit. You know, we've put, when I have a client on, for example, we try to utilize that as a, it's a soft platform to show how I work and how yeah. the team works with people that isn't a sort of in your face. You know, for me personally, I was just talking to a colleague about this yesterday, about how, you know, in this industry, it's very hard to get the like, yes, I want to work with Liz because I saw one thing or 10 things or yeah, 20 exactly. things, you know, <laughs> there has to be repetition and, you know, I'm not a hard sell kind of person. <laughs> I think I'd like to meet people where they are and just be able to offer, you know, value and answer questions. And then if it works to work together, awesome. And so, you know, I've changed a little bit in terms of when clients come on, trying to be a little bit more proactive around how is it actually working? Where were you and where did you get to? And things like that. You and I did podcasts like that recently. But I also am not doing 100% interviews anymore because they were starting to feel a little too repetitious without some interjection. So now we have a different cycle where we'll have an interview and then I'll do an actual podcast, just me talking. You know, I have some new workshop series. And so I was doing, I was translating some of that into the podcasts sort of as like mini trainings and we're trying to keep those really short and sweet. So it isn't yeah. 30 minutes of talking about accounting, uh, <laughs> but more, you know, more about strategy and sort of five, 10 minute snippets. And those have been really well received, I think, because people like the quick hitters, you know, while you're listening, you can listen while you're making dinner or whatever. Yeah. What's interesting about that approach is you can almost have them. It's one of my, one of my other clients, Carrie Granger, Leadership Impact. She actually calls them prescriptions, which I thought was fascinating. So now when she gets, has a conversation with prospects. She's like, well, we did season two on accountability and, you know, episodes two and three were about, you know, whatever the topics were. So why don't you go back and listen to those and then schedule and then schedule some time with me as a follow up. So I think especially with the top, like a topic like accounting and finances, I think to your point, people do need to take it in, in short bites. So maybe thinking about that as something to have in your toolkit. So when you're talking to prospects, you could say like, whatever they're, they're struggling with, whether it's, let's just say tax payments, right? No. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Then we could just kind of like deep dive. Because I, I think in, in the ones that I've listened to from your podcast, there are certain things that you cover specifically 
with those people that you know there was a certain pain point that they had so something to think about and just having that reference of like maybe even just a list where you you keep a spreadsheet open or something so when you're on the show and if you have to think about it you could actually mention it in an episode but also it's helpful for prospects i think to think about that so i'm glad to see you're getting some traction with those shorter episodes yeah that's a great idea it's always so good to talk to you because then i'm like all right that's the next (laughs) level all right that's the software we need Exactly. And so uh, when you had these conversations, and obviously some of them can, can be a bit personal in nature, were there any that, that surprised you in terms of a story that, that someone shared? I think comes to mind other than I was surprised at how open and honest all of my guests have been. Because, you know, I, I, mm. I'm the last person who's going to, you know, ask you to air your dirty laundry. Of yeah, the gotcha your questions. <laughs> the gotcha questions. That's not really my thing. Um, the gotcha question is, what does that money mean to you? And everyone goes, ooh, I like that question. I can answer that one. So I've been surprised at how much the podcast interviews have reflected back to me the fact that we all want to talk about this and we want to talk about our anxiety and we want to, in a safe space, we actually do want to dig in and, you know, kind of talk ourselves through what's been going on and where we want to go and how we might like to change. And people are a lot braver about that than I would have thought. Is that So that bodes well for anyone who's thinking about having that topic or has been putting off that tough conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also I think it's a, a testament to the podcast situation is sometimes I think it's easier because we think, well, it's just out there on the airwaves and it's not my face attached. And so I think it might be easier to be honest when you're just it's you and the microphone and somebody else yeah. versus a screen, you know. So we have a wide range of, of listeners, people who, like I said, were fans of podcasting, podcasting themselves, been doing it for a while, and, and entrepreneurs also. So I'm curious, and it's not some, a question I get to ask often, but when you think of being in business for yourself, and I've, and I've thought about this a lot recently, especially with COVID and the fact that I've, my business has been remote for the past five years and and seeing the impact that this pandemic has had on on just a, a wide swath of folks in terms of either losing their jobs or whole industries like hospitality, event planning. Like I'm wondering if how you've been looking at this through that lens, being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, in the past couple of months. I think it's a fascinating time <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You know, we're from an economic standpoint, you know, we're at the beginning <laughs> entering into, I think, what's going to be a pretty significant downturn. And that gets very scary for a lot of people. That being said, there's been a huge push to the online space. So for those of us who have been working, not virtually, but in the online space, (laughs) you know, already that's a leg up. But there's just, there's so much technology out there now to help facilitate business ownership, entrepreneurship. You know, and I was having a conversation with my husband around the fire the other day about how You know, I think there are more and more people who are smart and motivated who back in the day would have been in mid to upper level management in bigger firms who are now like, well, wait a minute, I can be more creative. I can call my own shots. You know, it's not as scary. There's less risk to step into the entrepreneurial game now. And I think that's true now more than ever, actually, because of the changes and the constrictions that are happening. I would just encourage anybody who's been thinking about it to just remember that you know, there are ways to step your foot into the entrepreneurial waters without 
hanging yourself up too much. We can do this in a way that doesn't, you know, fully, you know, take your house away or use up all your savings. And, you know, there are ways to to do that. If you have a nice, you know, a good plan in place at the front end, you can do that without getting yourself into too much financial problems without, you know, just to try it out and see. And you may be surprised at what you find because, you know, I have plenty of clients who, while everyone is nervous about what's coming down the pike, you know, their businesses are doing well or the same or better, depending on what's going on and what they're selling. So, you know, I think people will always need to interact with other people. I think that even in the event space and the speaking space and things like that, they're looking really bleak right now. There are tons of people who are scrambling to figure out how to do this in a, you know, through a screen kind of way. There's all kinds of great platforms out there that are cool. And if you, you know, are getting really creative with that, I think you'll be at the forefront Uh, because everybody's moving in that direction in one way or another. I think, you know, the bottom line, though, is if you're in business and you're worried about the financial future, we need to know exactly what's working for your business. Cut anything that isn't. This is not the time to continue running Facebook ads just because you have been and it's kind of bumping along, not really doing anything for you. This is where knowing your numbers and really understanding what does get you a return and focusing on that and only that. And make some contingency plans in terms of, look, we're, we're seeing A, B, and C happening right now. We can extrapolate that into the future. What do the next three years, five years look like for you from a like worst case scenario standpoint? You know, when we do strategic planning, you know this, Harry, but I really like to look at it as a, you know, kind of baseline next level, next level, right? So I want it, I want you to feel comfortable knowing like if the shit hit the fan, what am I, you know, what are my options and what am I going to do? If I can maintain where I'm at right now or hang on by the skin of my teeth, what does that look like financially? What decisions go into that? And then, you know, what's the best case scenario? And I think when we can plan like that for ourselves, it makes it a lot easier to make decisions, you know, in a timely manner and to not get ourselves into financial trouble. But I think, you know, being lean and mean right now and as creative as possible and really focusing on the one or two things that really drive your business is is where we need to be. Yeah, it's definitely something that's been said by a lot of people that I follow, that I respect in the space, that are doing well, that are thriving, is now more than ever, it's so important to know every single thing that's happening expense-related in your business and all these recurring <laughs> subscriptions, all the things as entrepreneurs we tend to sign up for and then you know, just don't take notice of them. We forget, we forget yeah. we have them and then we're like, what was that $400 charge for that thing that I haven't used in eight months? Yeah, I switched over my card to notify me with every single transaction because even if it was like a dollar like validation charge i was like i want i'm at the point where i just want to know like everything that's going through that card and, and i've occasionally seen stuff i'm like wait, wait i was supposed to cancel that so immediately i'll i'll notify them i'm like hey i know this just renewed but i need to, i i ask as nicely as possible <laughs> and you've gotten money back right i mean yeah, that's yeah. the thing is, is exactly. we, we think that with that we can't do business with the online subscriptions and apps and things like that i have had a 90 personally had like a 90 percent success rate when stuff like that has happened because hey it happens to me too (laughs) i'm not perfect nobody's perfect you know but if you just go back as a human being and say hey where are we at with this can i get a refund i meant to whatever the majority of them even if they have a no refund policy will actually give you your money back because it's good business for them to do so yeah even if you get tripped don't think that it has to be a sunk cost it's probably worth you know five minutes of sending an email and just seeing if you can get it refunded so as since we're on the topic of entrepreneurial 
ism or whatever the, the noun for that is. Sure. <laughs> what, when good. you have friends or anyone that's just getting started and you've had the benefit of working with them early on, which is which is helpful for them because I'm sure I could have used a lot more guidance in the early days. What are just some basic 101 things that as new entrepreneurs or people like th- even thinking about, you know, to your point, people are in in their nine to five and just wanting more control over their future, dabbling in the entrepreneurial space, trying out a business. And the last thing they probably think about is the finances <laughs> and the bookkeeping. So what are some basics that would be helpful for people that looking to, to dip their toe in the entrepreneurial waters? Yes, great question. I have a couple of answers. One, this may seem really simplistic, but I think many people don't separate their business finances from their personal early enough. So if you're thinking about starting or if you have started and you haven't done this yet, get a separate checking account. Even if it's not a business account, you don't have to become an LLC or an S-Corp or any of that to create a business account. And depending on what bank you use, they may say, well, you have to be an LLC to create you know, this kind of account. Then open up a separate personal checking account and just allocate that as your business account. Attach all your PayPal and your Stripe and all of that through there so that you can have a really clean view of what's going in and what's coming out of your business. You know, my books, I talk about sort of the three basic stages of business where we have, when we first start, we have this business baby phase where we're feeding it. We're taking money from some outside source, our savings, a credit card, some other kind of debt, whatever it is to start the business and there isn't necessarily a whole lot coming in. And that feels super uncomfortable and we want to get out of that phase as quickly as possible. And we immediately think, okay, now there's a little money coming in. So now I can start paying myself. We sometimes get into trouble there because really the next phase is the business teenager where the business should be like money's coming in, covering the business expenses. It's like the teenager who can go to the fridge, drink the milk out of the carton, and but you're not getting a whole lot out of it. Right? <laughs> and then yeah. the, you know, the business adult stage is where we all want to be as soon as possible, which is where the business... It's making enough money to cover the business expenses. Your taxes are covered because, again, as entrepreneurs and business owners, we're responsible for that. It's not getting taken out of a paycheck. And there's money left over to put in our own pocket. Back to the whole checking account thing. If you know what your numbers are and they're coming through there and they're not intertangled with, you know, grocery bills and mortgage payments and all of that, it's so much easier right out of the gate to understand how your business is doing financially. Are we profitable? Are we not? Even just from looking at your checking account. So that's one thing. I would say the other important thing to do is to have a really specific plan in place. You know, we get excited and we get wrapped up around pricing and we spend all our time kind of like, ah, how do I figure out how to sell? Yes, that's what we have to do in the beginning for sure. But if you can take just a little bit of time and map out as you start to understand what people are going to resonate with, what people are going to say yes to, what price points they're going to say yes to, mapping out what that allows you to do. Because a lot of times we start making money and then we just spend it and just go somewhere. It's like having 100 bucks in cash in your wallet. You have no idea where it went. But guess what? It's gone because we didn't give it a plan, right? We didn't give it a job to do. So I think just being very aware of what's coming in the door and where it needs to go and being careful with your spending. That's always true, but it is especially true right now because if we want to be successful and be able to grow, then we need to make profit. We need to get you paid because you're putting in a lot of work. And it shouldn't just be an expensive hobby. Let's actually make it a real business. And to do that, we need to, you know, have our income be higher than our business expenses so that there's something left over for you to take home. 
Very, very helpful advice. And uh, out of the two books, is there one that lends itself well to a beginning entrepreneur or are they both, they go hand in hand? I think the From Zero to Zen, the subtitle of that is Secret Keys to Nurturing Your Numbers and Finding Financial Flow. And that is a little bit more getting started because it's a little bit more focused on the ticky tacky, right? Like what needs to happen? When does it need to happen? How do we talk about setting up your contract to cash cycle? How do we make sure that your I's are dotted and T's are crossed and you're getting paid quickly and you're not chasing people down for money and that you're paying your vendors well? And, you know, how do we handle taxes and things like that? And then my second book, Zen Money Map, sort of takes it to the next level in terms of helping the reader step more fully into their role as CEO, thinking strategically, making plans strategically. How do we ensure that your finances are flowing well through your business and building a strong bridge to your personal life? And because a lot of entrepreneurs that I know really want to do big things in the world and they would really like to make change happen. They would like to give back to their communities. And guess what? Money can go a long way toward making that happen, but we need a plan for it. Hence the map part. I'm so gung-ho on this and, and people learning their lessons early. So what I'll do is I'm going to give a free copy of the book. So I'll figure out the logistics to the first three, peop- the first three people who listen to this episode and contact me, Harry, at Podcast Junkies, or tag myself and tag Liz. Is it Liz underscore? No, no. It's What's, what's your Twitter handle? Twitter is Zen Money CFO. Zen Money CFO. So tag Zen Money CFO podcast underscore junkies or send me an email. And then the first three people to do that, I'll get you a copy of uh, Liz's From Zero to Zen because I think it's really important. (laughs) So a couple of questions as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Oh, see, you're going to put me on the spot. Uh, It's a personal realization, which is that I'm a very black black and white thinker. And so I tend to pendulum swing a lot between this is right, this is wrong. And uh, as I get older, that becomes less of an issue and gray is an okay place to be. Yeah, that's a good one. I should, I should start changing the question and preface it personal or professional <laughs> and then ask the question because inevitably like people will give whatever's top of mind and there's no wrong answer. That's the beauty of a question like that. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? That I absolutely love finance and numbers. <laughs> it's something I'm good at, but it is it is not my end all be all. But as you know, when you're when you're selling a service, that's how people start to see you. And, you know, it's it's always an interesting conversation because many people preface the whole like, oh, I'm sure you know all about this or oh, I'm sure you don't want to hear about whatever. I'm like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. I like the arts. I like to read. I, like, I have other parts of me I have besides spread- <laughs> I have other hobbies besides spreadsheets and like, you know, but I think that's that's actually critical to the conversation of can you be successful as a business person? Like, do you have to have a passion? I mean, I have a passion for helping people feel better and I have a, I'm very good at, you know, keeping the all the plates spinning in terms of financial management. But I don't think it has to be the love of your life to be successful at it. In fact, in some ways, if it is, then you get burned out, right? So I think that as business owners and entrepreneurs, it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole. I mean, I'm spending 16, 18 hours a day doing this thing that I thought I was so excited about. And then you come to hate it because you're doing it too much. So balancing all of our interests is important. In much the same way, those pebbles are balanced in that photo behind you. (laughs) That's right. Let's have balance. Balance is good in all areas of life. 
Well, Liz, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I think there's so many interesting things that happened. It's this idea of, you know, going, finding groups that you connect with. I, I always quote Jim Rohn, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So that's how we got connected through Gio Marcico's Archangel Group, which is a fantastic group of uh, heart-centered folks. And I'm, I'm still friends with a lot, of, a lot of those folks there. And as a result of that, then we got to a couple of opportunities to work together. One, we helped you with the with the launch of, and production of your show, and then found out that you know I also needed some help with my finances. <laughs> so, uh, and thankfully, couldn't have come at a at a better time. I think um, what we'll do is make sure we have a link to my episode. I don't know oh, about yeah. the timing of it, but we'll figure it out to make sure that they're cross-referenced because I'd love for people to hear my story on your show and, and listen to that as well. So we'll have all those links in the show notes. And what's the best place for folks to track you down and to learn more about your program and how to work with you? If you want to check out our my website, it's lizlajoy.com and we'll put that in the show notes. It's L-A-J-O-I-E. And you can connect with me on Facebook or on Instagram at Zen Money CFO. You know, we do a variety of work. I really like the teaching training part, but a lot of times people just want help getting the stuff done. So we kind of have two arms of the work that we do. And so whether it's the, I need to learn how to do this for myself or know more about this for myself, we have opportunities for that. And if it's the oh my gosh, I've been working with this bookkeeper who it turns out has done everything wrong or it's time to step up and have some more of that CFO level support, we do that as well. Well, thanks again for sharing your story with my audience. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Liz for coming on the show. It is much appreciated when guests take an hour of their time to share their story with you and I'm thoroughly grateful to them when they do that. As always, full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 227, which includes summary timestamps. We pull out five tweetable quotes from the episode and any links we've discussed are also there as well. Make sure you check that out. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his amazing catalog of music at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2. Head on over to podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite for more details and to see the entire line. Really excited to bring a conversation to you next week with Dave Zorob. He's the co-founder of Chartable, one of the premier podcast analytics companies that recently received a new round of funding and is doing some really interesting things in the podcast analytics space. We have a really good podcast geek out conversation, so make sure you don't miss that one. In case you made it this far, you're no doubt waiting for the retention hashtag. Let's go with hashtag ZenLiz. You can tag us at podcast underscore junkies and Liz at Zen Money CFO. That's Zen Money CFO, all one word, on Twitter. I appreciate you, dear listener, from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for all you do to support the show. We'll talk soon.